Hello, students. Greetings, Academaniacs. Welcome to Detention. I am everyone's favorite co-host, V. Caleb G., but tonight I am Professor Crunch, and that means it is my job to take care of you hooligans who are stuck here after hours in the RPG Academy. Ow! As always... Stop it with the ruler. Hey, hey. You're, you're in my desk. Hey, children, children. He started it. He ended it. Oh, it's going to be one of those type of shows. All righty. Well, let's get out our show sponsor, Battle Bards, here before things devolve into shenanigans. Uh, Detention is brought to you by BattleBards.com, the best music and sound effects for your home tabletop experience. I, of course, use BattleBards in all of Rot Iron for that production value. I absolutely love it. We have an exclusive coupon code. Uh, when you go to BattleBards and purchase the ten or twenty-five dollar credit package, Ahoy with the number one after it gets you a free track. The fifty or one hundred dollar package, Ahoy with the number two, gets you five free tracks. And uh, the one hundred fifty or three hundred dollar credit package, Ahoy with the number three, gets you sixteen free tracks. I absolutely love this new stuff that is coming out, the pirate themes. Uh, I heard today, I believe, that some uh, that an entirely new set of albums will be coming out soon. Some uh, dwarven-themed battle music, I believe. Uh, swing over to BattleBards.com to check it out. Uh, now you've been hearing some of the uh, crazy voices jumping in here during our introduction uh, to hang out tonight in detention. Of course, everyone's favorite faculty member, Scott. Howdy, all you kids out there in Radio Land. And special guest from the RPG Academy Network Redemption podcast, Kendall. How you doing? Doing pretty good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Let's jump into the thick of it. We will kick off detention number eight by now uh, with extracurricular. So let's chit-chat about what we've been doing in the real world. Uh, Kendall, what have you been up to, buddy? Uh, I'm actually spent almost all of this week prepping for Grand Con, a local gaming convention here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which will be at, well, at the time of the recording, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. I have my first game. So by the time this is out, I'll have already recovered from the convention and even the con crud that comes with it. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, apart from that, just uh, kind of doing the normal thing, running my Thursday night game, uh, playing Xbox. That's about it. I'm bored. What, what are you prepping for Grand Con? Give us a little sneak peek. Uh, I'm actually running a, well, it's, you'll everybody will know what the game is at this point. I'm running a Star Wars game called These Are the Droids You're Looking For. It's an alternate take <laughs> on episode four, where the players are actually going to start off by walking into a cantina on Tatooine and seeing the scruffy looking nerf herder dude shoot a Rodian in the face and then <laughs> run away from a bunch of other Rodians. And then they're going to get a tap on the shoulder and there's going to be this old guy and this whiny dude and these two droids saying, there went a ride and they have to take them to Alderaan uh, and wacky hijinks ensues. <laughs> Nice. I don't want. I Very shouldn't. Nice. I shouldn't actually give too much because I'm probably going to run this at a catacon. Oh, oh, that that uh, so, sounds very tempting. So you know what? Eh, you know what? And they, you could have gotten to that out of the description. So we'll just leave that in. 
I think that is a great teaser for the game. I that'll be pretty fun. And you're using uh, Edge of the Empire, right? Correct. Um, we're doing. I'm doing that one tomorrow at 9 a.m. I'm playing in a couple games, and then t- Saturday night we're actually going to do <laughs> our GM for Redemption, Chris. He has talked me into the insanity of hauling all my recording gear to the convention. Where we have a private room set up, and Saturday night at 6 p.m., we're going to be running a live recorded game to be released released later that will fit into the Redemption storyline. Wow, that's exciting! Interesting. Yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting. Chris did this once before with an adventure at a con called Marmalade Dog earlier this year. And what we ended up doing there was he just had the story interact, but we brought back three of those players for our uh, season two episode or season two premieres episode two hundred one, and it, we had a great time. They came over and sat down with us, and we did the recording there. Uh, they were great to have. So I'm actually hoping some of them show up for this game. Cool, cool. That is a lot of fun. Is this going to be a game where uh, the audience can come in and watch? I don't know for sure. It, de- it depends on the logistics of the room. It's something we're going to find out tomorrow, unfortunately. Hey, nothing like a last-minute preparation, right? Exactly. Hey, I don't have to run <laughs> it. I'm just playing in it. And plus, the last minute is the best minute of preparation. Best one you'll ever make. That's true. I'm kind of a last-minute prepper I mean, myself. Like those so. first minutes of prep you do, they're just garbage, right? You end up re-prepping all that stuff. You just like exploring ideas. It's terrible. Waste of time. You should just skip that minute. Go straight to the last minutes. Last minutes are where you finish the prep. Right? The best minutes. If you could just only do those minutes, efficient prep. If it was just all last minute? Just all in that last minute. It's that trick, like, like when you lose something, it's always in the last place you look. Fundamentally, yeah, exactly. Precisely so. Of course, course I'm crazy. I actually look one more place just so that's not true for me. You're the guy who puts his pants on in the morning, (laughs) both legs at once, like jumping into them, just so nobody's got one leg up on you? Yeah, actually, I do. There you go. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Mm -hmm. Nice, I'm going to steal it. Wonderful. All right. So, uh, how about you, Scott? What have you been up to? I am. Uh, I've been doing a lot of going to the mall uh, because I've I've been assigned shopping uh, to attend my sister's latest wedding. She's she's getting married again. Um, that's very exciting for the family. We we hope it's. I think everyone hopes it's the last time. Although <laughs> I was going to say somebody cast permanency on that wedding. Yeah, but but I. You know, and, and I kind of want to say that, and yet uh, part of me kind of doesn't because it feels weird to to congratulate people and like you know say you know I hope one of the two of you dies before you guys get bored of each other. <laughs> God, I mean that is such a weird <laughs> definition for success of an institution. I I just I can't I have a hard time like good luck you know. Why Maybe don't you, you get just... hit by a car or have cancer? Like that'll really work out. Then your marriage will be a success. No, no, your marriage will be a success if you both get hit by a car at the same time. That's, that's Do things true. together, if, 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 or or very close, right? Uh, you know, uh, yeah. Some yeah, sort uh, of sudden asteroid impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Contagible uh, case of contagible, contagious case of cancer. Oh, great. Oh, wow, that, this is getting really dark, guys. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, mm-hmm. I'm divorced and uh, jaded. We'll really. Say. Oh, I know you never would have guessed, right? No, Uh, no. But but so weddings are super fun for me. And uh, I don't I'm in the wedding, but I don't remember what part I'm playing. I don't think I'm officiating. And so that means I don't have to practice anything. That's usually a good step one. Are you best man? Because there are things to practice there. It's it's my sister. So uh, for the last one, I was maid of honor. 
Um, okay, well, yeah, which yeah. just meant I had to have a party, which was okay. Uh, she hasn't told me I have to have a party this time, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'm just in the bridal party. I don't, I don't know. Okay, fair enough. Uh, either that or you just didn't do a good job last time, so. Well, I, I did have the party at Chuck E. Cheese. I don't see There's a problem. There's nothing wrong with Chuck E. Cheese. That's awesome. Nope. That's it, that, I was like, they got games. This was, you know, uh, at least in rural Utah, this was in the era before Dave and Buster's and adult arcade places. So we just mm-hmm. made Chuck E. Cheese into our adult arcade place. Ate their terrible cardboard pizza and played their terrible token games. Do you guys remember Discovery Zone? Hmm. The name rings Maybe. a bell, but I can't, I have never been there. It's like a teen-targeted arcade place, right? With, like, slightly better pizza and maybe, like, a bowling alley in it mixed in if it was a real big one. Uh, from what I remember when I was the right age, and I think that's back when I was double digits but not yet a teen, it was that middle-aged Chuck E. Cheese. It wasn't Dave & Buster's. It wasn't Chuck E. Cheese itself. But it was it was a lot more active. Like, it was a big, giant jungle gym, a big ball pit. Lots of tubes to run around through, but it was bigger than the Chuck E. Cheese tubes. I think it was supposed <laughs> to be a have fun but be active kind of place. Uh, oh yeah, um, they were. That was like in the nineties, wasn't it? I think it was. And then there was another. You're gonna make one. me Google this now. You know, on detention, we don't care about facts and figures. So if you want to do oh, it, that's all good. on you. But uh, yeah. Shoot from the hip. Shoot from, that would yeah. require work, so I'm going to yeah. ignore it. Hey, we're in detention. We don't care about work. Very good point. Honestly, you know, even Dave & Buster's isn't that fun anymore. No, it's really not. I mean, we have Dave & Buster's here in town now, and we have another place called Craig's Cruisers where they actually have, like, go-karts also and laser tag, which is actually kind of cool. But you go to the arcade games, and it's like, okay, everything's like a dollar or two dollars to play mm-hmm. and play these games. And I looked at them, and it's like, Wait, that's a Facebook game. I, I don't I don't want to yeah. play Fruit Ninja on a 32-inch screen by paying a dollar. I'll go download it for free on my app, my phone. Yeah. Yep. It's like, and, what the hell? And the one yeah, by one, us. $1 apps completely destroyed the, the arcade profit <laughs> model. Yeah. I mean, there's the whole aspect of getting tickets to get shitty prizes, but I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I have money. I would yeah, rather just but, go buy the shitty thing than... Honestly, your, your, your ticket vendor is basically the ATM, right? You put your card in and like tickets just come out and they can get you all kinds of prizes, like any prize you want. But the exchange rate <laughs> is so terrible. Oh, it totally is. There's there's like a very large tax on all of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then like the, the big prize you want, like, oh, new card, like 25,000 tickets. How am I ever going to save up that much? Like, what? <laughs> $60,000 later, you have your new Kia. <laughs> That's right. Uh, just did payment plans. 30-year fixed. Yay. <laughs> Plus, the Dave & Buster's by me is like an hour away. And if I want to drive up, it's all crowded, and I probably want to eat. And then I'm not out of there till midnight or 1, and then i got to drive all the way back home. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, here's I feel a... like there was a time in my life where I could suspend my personal incredulity enough to engage with Dave and Buster's like unironically, right? And kind of enjoy it <laughs> enthusiastic. And but but now I'm, you know, kind of mid thirties era where it's just like, I honestly would be rather be at home on the couch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I I had my bachelor party at Dave and Buster's and I was fine with that because I didn't pay for anything. 
Fair. And after that, it's just been, do you want to go Dave and Buster's? <sighs> sure. We uh, back in the back in the late '90s and 2000s, the Dave and Buster's over by Detroit here, because I'm in Michigan. They had the reason to go there was they had BattleTech pods. And the only place in the Ooh. state that had the BattleTech pods. It's like, oh, that's awesome. But now one of the local game stores here uh, has the rights to them. They actually bring them down to, to Gen Con and Origins. So I can go there and play it now for three bucks. And now we have a local Dave and Buster's. And our, my company last year had our Christmas party there, which was very disturbingly <laughs> bad. And it was like, wow, this is this is like some sort of weird baton or, you know, we're some sort of weird death march that we're just kind of all going through here. And they they paid for beer, I guess, and not for like anything else, but compulsory fun. Yeah. Mandatory fun. Thanks, Weird Al. <laughs> What have you been up to, Caleb? That's the real question, Professor. Yeah. How's that tenure coming along? Made it yet? No? Are you sleeping with any of the other teachers? I can neither confirm nor deny any such accusations. Uh, (laughs) In my neck of the woods, working on a catacon, uh, I've got one game prepped. I keep looking at my list of the other ones I want to do, but I don't know where I want to go with them. Um, I've gotten out of the habit of preparing games so badly that I can't even begin to wrap my head around what I need to do to prepare a game again at this point. Okay. Uh, and I actually ran into that just yesterday. Um, I was a GM for the GM showcase, which is something the DMs block guys are doing. Uh, that is going to be airing at some point in the future. I don't know when. Uh, But I ran a game for DM Mitch and a couple other gents. And uh, I had months and months and months to prepare for this game. I finally got an inspiration for what I wanted to do a couple weeks ago. And about an hour before the game started... I was frantically scribbling on notepad and note cards trying to plan the game and get ready. End result, I threw out everything I thought of except for one thing and ran with it. Well, again, last minute of prep, best minute of prep. I think it turned out okay. It just didn't do what I wanted it to do. I had this grand plan of... uh, using wushu to tell a mystery and instead of the big dramatic fight scene narrative moments i would use the mechanics to investigate and find clues Mm -hmm. okay and then i realized that i would have had to have those clues prepared and have a logical plot narrative of how those clues connected see uh, I'll, I'll interject because the the last Acadicon game I ran, <clears throat> right, was was uh, there, there was a mystery involved, and it was also in Wushu, and uh, the best thing about it was that uh, I, I prepped uh, a way that worked, and I practiced a game once before I went, but the live game, the practice game, went completely different and ended up solving very different puzzles, right? The, the amazing thing about doing uh, investigation for Wushu, right, is every die you pick up and you add a detail, the detail's true. So they pick up a die and they're like, I find footprints in the mud. They're size 12. 
you're like, oh shit, apparently a dude did it. I thought it was a lady, right? <laughs> I find, uh, right? Could be like a I, really I, big I go lady. down to the power company and I investigate, like, the power company's involved. And then they're very, very suspicious. Like, oh, apparently there's stuff going on in the power company. I didn't know that as the DM, right? And, like, uh, it, it's, uh, it was really shockingly, uh, uh, thorough and effective at, at making an investigation because everybody's clues worked. Everyone was Sherlock Holmes. I can tell by the scruff of his boots that he's, uh, you know, spent some time at the morgue. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> the morgue, really? Yeah, you know, dirty boots at the morgue. What do you, you thought? Sure. His sure. boots smell like formaldehyde. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I think that my problem with letting that happen was I, I'm still fighting to let go of some of my sense of control and preparation from my earlier gaming days. And I have in my head, if I'm running a mystery game, I have to have a logical narrative of how these clues relate. And to me, if I was playing a mystery game, I would expect, okay, I found a pair of broken glasses and later on I saw a dude who couldn't read the menu. Okay. That must be related. Uh, I followed him and he went into this room and now that's related to this. Like I, I see in my head this map of how everything relates. And I felt that I had to prepare that going into this game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. because I did it all at the last minute, I wasn't able to do that to my standards. I didn't feel confident with how the details I came up with worked. And I, I felt it was just all falling apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then going into the game, Honestly, I just scrapped the whole murder mystery and let this Lovecraftian horror develop in front of me, and it was wonderful. Totally different tone of what I was going for. Uh, But yeah, ultimately, I just need to do what you did, Scott. I just need to let the details develop on their own and keep up with the players. I I think it's it's an awesome idea until it doesn't work and totally blows up in your face. But until then... Hey, it means you, yeah. you that last minute of prep is is the start of the game. You're good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I ended up running a really good game, but then uh, I ended up having a horrible stress hangover and migraine as uh, as a result. So Preps, prep anxiety. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, I think yep. that's, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, used books, dead campaigns here, right? And, and uh, we, we've talked a, a lot about ones that, that die because players can't show. But uh, of course, the, the the stress of running the game takes a toll. There, there, yeah, there are definitely games where where no one will volunteer to run it because it sucks. It's true. It's true. Well, let's take that as a great transition statement, there, Scotts. This is why you earned the big bucks as a faculty member at the RPG Academy. Let's... But I'm in detention. Eh, well, you know, you're still not perfect. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let's break open used books here today, uh, talking about a campaign that ended prematurely, did not go the way it was supposed to go, did not go the way it was intended uh, as a form of therapeutic discussion and maybe to generate some discussion and inspiration for the future. So, Kendall, you are the special guest this evening. What would you like to share with us, sir? I was kind of thinking about this, and I mean, I've had a lot of campaigns that ended. I mean, they just kind of usually it's a matter of they just peter out. People get people just stop coming. We take a break. We never get back to it. But I think the most memorable one I have, and I use this as an example of, I tell new GMs your players 
are going to screw with whatever you have planned. So just roll with it. Because I ran a three-year-long campaign set in D&D where these guys were they, – they, I used the artifact, the Rod of Seven Parts, if you remember that, to say, okay, these, these forces of evil are going to get all these parts together. And they found out why during, you know, during one adventure, oh, they're, they're going to do this ritual, which will bring hell to, hell to the planet. So, so it's it's know, the Infinity the Gauntlet parts. in rod form. Exactly. But I think the Rod of Seven Parts was before the Infinity Gauntlet. But anybody who's probably a comic nerd, more than me, because I am a little bit of a comic nerd, is probably yelling at me right now, but still. So this multi-year campaign where they had to go that go find all these rod parts. Uh, actually, one of the players betrayed them because they had this uh, Glacia, a princess of hell, like kind of seduce him and say, I'll make you a Duke of Hell and give you all this power if you give me all the party's rod parts. And he's like, sure. And he turned on the party. And the rest wow. of the party's like, what the hell's going on? But they recovered. You know, his character became an NPC and he got a new character and they kept going and they tried to find all these parts. They couldn't get them. And so on the final night of the adventure, the penultimate battle, they're on top of this rise as the moon is rising. You know, when the moon is fully up, they can do the full moon. They can do this ritual by killing this innocent uh, on this altar with this knife. And they would soak the rod in the in the boy's blood, bring it together, boom, hell on earth. And, you know, 100, 200 yards away, there's a valley and it's full of these devils and demons and everything. It's just all these horrible foes. And they can see on the far hill, you know, they're ready for the, they're doing the, they're doing the ritual. And I go, okay, roll for initiative. They roll for initiative. And the ranger goes, all right, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to shoot the kid. Because if he's dead, they can't use he his He rolled blood. a natural 20. Oh, wait. Exactly. He rolled a natural 20, killed what? the kid, oh, because man. they had to use the, sac the sacrificial knife to do it, killed the kid. I mean, and I'm just like, really? Nat 20 on it, too. And I'm just like, you win. Uh, that it disrupted the ritual. They still had to do the fight and everything to save their own lives, but they saved the world with one shot. But, but now there was no time clock where there was no tension. They, they, they'd completely solved. Yeah. The, I had that entire night. It was supposed to be this huge battle against time and straining against impossible odds. And now nah, I critically hit the kid. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me my, my very first experience uh, of, of uh, an equivalent experience uh, as a GM was was a trap room that I spent a little bit of time making and I was pretty excited about it. You know, it's like a like a ninjutsu dojo. And so their trap room was a whole bunch of wires that they'd have to go through every day. Right. So a traffic hallway and you have to make like acrobatics checks to like get through every five feet or else, you know, some trap goes off might be a few. And I came up with all these fun mechanics of the traps. Um, the only problem is that I forgot that to make that. Uh, kind of experience compelling. What you really need is, is a time pressure, like you have to get through it now, <laughs> because uh, the the players had an amazing experience in the room in front of the trap room, like uh, the the best experience ever in, in a room that I did not expect would be fun. It just turned out there was a lot going on. It was like the best thing of the mm -hmm. night. And then they see this trap room and they have no time pressure, and so they're like, "Well, I got a grappling hook and a rope. I just spend the next couple hours throwing it in there and pulling out every single wire." Oh my god! I was like, "Oh, well, yeah, that, yep, that's, yep. There, there goes the trap room. What do you know?" So what uh, can we take away from these stories here? Uh, your players will fuck up what you plan. Yeah, exactly. You know, you, you should, uh, s since you're on their side, right, You it, it helps to, it behooves you to 
to share in their successes when they so soundly defeat your evil idea, right? They, they, they do an end run around you like, I've never thought of that before. Like, that's the moment where uh, instead of being petty like I was the very first time, being like, nope, the traps hit you anyway. You just need to high five them and be like, that's amazing, right? Like, uh, like Kendall did. And uh, yeah, you guys, yep, yep. There's no trouble. They uh, sacrifice is done. The the hardest part about that, though, is especially, uh, you know, I've, I've done this a couple times since then. I'm not proud of it. You know, players will do that right at the beginning of a session. And it's like, okay, uh, well, uh, all right. I got nothing else planned for tonight. Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you guys want to go to the bar and meet random NPCs? Yeah, it's like, I, what are, do we want to play a different game? Want to fight something randomly from the monster manual? We we can fight the Terrasque. I don't know what that is. <laughs> You're fourth level, right? <laughs> See, that worry, that fear, that eventuality, inevitability, that's what prevents me from wanting to prepare games. Mm. Of, of, of you prep and then instantly it go, turns to 90 degrees and then your prep stuff. Exactly. Because, and this is something I fell prey to many times in my younger GM days. If I prepared something and the game went a different direction, I would feel lousy that what I came up with wasn't there. So I would either yes. force yeah. it to be there mm-hmm. or not have anything planned and be so bummed out I wouldn't be able to think of anything on the spot. Mm-hmm. That's one of that's kind of one of the problems I had with the whole D twenty system. I mean, I noticed it. It started in like three o, then three five and four o. As a GM, I I realized you know about three years ago maybe that I was trying to kill the PCs, and not I wasn't mm-hmm. trying to tell a good story. You know the things that I know now. I wasn't trying to make sure the players had fun. I was trying to challenge the PCs to the point uh, that they feared for their lives. Because, you know, uh, mm-hmm. why, if you can walk through something, why would you, you know, why would your character do this if it's so easy for you? I thought the players wanted me to challenge them. And I think it's a common thing we, we fall prey to, right? <clears throat> yeah. The, the idea is, is that, you know, the Monster Manual is a book of challenges. It's, it's, it's not. That's the secret, right? It's a book of, of tools to put people under pressure or influence them or bribe them, right? The the challenges are actually just like a personal challenges to the character. Um, oh, it was in a great talk at last year's Akatakon. Uh, an amazing speaker whose uh, name I forget because I'm terrible with proper nouns. But uh, he, he observed that, that the, the best way to challenge players is by challenging them in ways that, that their character sheet can't save them from. Right, you don't have a role or a skill to save you from moral dilemma, right? Like, like, uh, like Kendall, you mentioned, right? Your your player in your long game, uh, he was offered a temptation that he could not resist, right? That that to be made a, a a duke of hell in exchange for betraying the party, and he took it, right? Yeah, there was not a skill on his character sheet to 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 save him from that moral dilemma, and that is a compelling story, right? I mean, it's 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 fascinating to me that you even mentioned that during the the. The introduction to the thing because it, it didn't necessarily directly relate to the 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 end of the story that you were trying to get to but it's such a significant moment you had to bring it up because that was the story right? well and for me it, it's it i i mean the reason i actually brought it up is yeah it was a significant point in the story but you know it's 
it's to show that this was a long term. There was so much going on here that I mean, even one of the players itself, you know, turned their back on the party, and there was these these, these tensions. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it, and that's that's a good point. I like how you put that. You know, challenging you know challenging them based on what is not on their character sheet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, or, or yeah, yeah, that that it's not like an acrobatics check will get you out of this, and that's why I think preparing a dungeon or a monster encounter is becoming a little bit more difficult for me because I want to come up with those true challenges based on what happens at the table. I want Mm -hmm. to watch my players role play and tell the story and interact with each other in the world and pick up on the clues that they drop and the details they create and find those challenges that are not in the book and on the character sheet. <laughs> that being said, okay. though, I, I still sometimes feel that need to draw a dungeon and delve into it. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's, uh, especially after you've had a lot of heady stuff, a lot of, a lot of theater of the mind stuff, a lot of social negotiation. There's nothing like having a complete session that's just one initiative roll and slogging through lots and lots of German zombies, right? <laughs> stormtroopers just exactly kill mm-hmm. shit get loot it's 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 a refreshing it's it's like the the cold shower after the hot day right just like yep. ah combat everyone the, knows how to do this. the palate cleanser mm-hmm. the sherbert of the role-playing experience <laughs> <laughs> oh wonderful you know what i could go for some sherbert both uh mm. the the figurative type we are discussing here and the cold, literal, frozen type downstairs in my freezer. However, this is actually the first really nice day in a while. I've had the windows open. It's been nice and breezy and cool. So what you're saying is you've just told me there's a valuable thing in your house and that there's entry accessible to it. Now I just need to find out where you live. He did say, I believe he said Utah. Yes, let's go with Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody said Utah, didn't they? I don't know. It's, it's been a long day. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Well, I, <laughs> before things get any crazier and uh, someone starts sneaking into my house, whether or not I am in Utah. I have hide in plain sight. You're in the demi-plane of Sherbert. <laughs> the demi-plane of Sherbert. Oh, love it. I, I, will, I will meet you by the eternal fountain of 7-Up. <laughs> <laughs> Because you always so mix bubbly. seven up in Sherbert. Yeah. Yeah. Was that was that just me? Because I grew up uh in churches and they did seven up in Sherbert. Was that just a church thing or is that anybody else? That's not a me thing. Okay. Uh, I grew up in a Lutheran church and I kinda remember that. But I've also right. tried blanking out a lot of that, so Yeah, yeah, I've tried to do that too. Unfortunately those memories don't die. Anyway. Let's go ahead and move on to class review. In class review, we are moving through all of the core classes of Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, discussing the ins and outs and what is happening with them. Today, we're going to move to the Ranger. Do we have to? (sighs) I mean, we decided on it ahead of time. We did a little bit of prep work. By which I mean the absolute bare minimum. No, so no. We, we did the, the first minute and last minute were the same minute. Yeah. Yep. yep. 
Uh, I think it's a good transition, though, because last week we talked about the Barbarian, and the Barbarian is, in most definitions, closely related to primal power in the natural world, depending on how you approach it. Uh, So now we're going to move on to the Ranger, who is also found out in nature, but instead of the hulking brute, the Ranger is more... The tiny dancer. Refined? What was that? The tiny dancer. The tiny dancer. Uh, well, you were going with these incredible adjectives. Like and tiny dancer. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, the ranger is the tiny dancer of Dungeons and Dragons. Heard it here first, folks. It's, my player it's, it's, Leland is going to kill me when he hears this because he's playing a ranger <laughs> in my current game. The, the, the ranger is something. I, uh... <clears throat> I'm of the belief that the, uh, the, the the default ranger out of the book is very confusing. First, they're, they're the only class that gets a bunch of their benefits for, um, right, the, the the fifth edition book talks about how there's three pillars of, of uh, role-playing, right? And, and the third one that at least everyone I play with ignores is exploration, because you can't literally explore space. It's just not that fun. And so we kind of hand wave that or montage it. But a lot of the ranger benefits are about that third pillar that no other class has, and that nobody thinks is that interesting at the table. And so that that's like this first big mental incongruity with the rules, at least as written. I'll agree with that. That makes sense. Uh, the ranger is all about surviving in the natural world out in the wilderness. Uh, the iconic, stereotypical example is that lone warrior out in the wilderness on his or her own tracking things, finding food, surviving in any environment. Uh, The ranger is the lone wolf that the party hires to get through the unknown jungle or desert. Uh, The ranger is the fella that sweeps in from the trees, firing arrows at everybody, killing all the crazy monsters, and then... the, the dual weapon fighter who who is is you know they are the legolas right the the i i have a bow that fires infinite arrows and then i'll stab someone with the arrow and fire it again because i have so many bonus attacks and then i'll pull out two knives and look out although interestingly since you bring up lord of the rings we also have strider slash who's Aragorn, supposed to be a ranger but who, he's clearly a fighter i mean but, he had no ranger he, he had a language but, that was about it. but when he's first introduced, you think of him as that stereotypical ranger, right? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, they, they, they used him as a ranger for a while. He had, like, tracking and stuff, but, you know, his his noble background, that, that really dominated. Yeah, his, yeah his that definitely style. trumped it. Legolas, though, is, is a good I- example of an elven ranger. Uh, what about you, Kendall? What do you think he, about the he, ranger? I was going to say, he's almost the iconic Elven Ranger at this point. I mean, he's pretty much everybody turns to. Um, the other Ranger that we did not discuss at this point is the one who's a little too friendly with nature and has that animal that follows him around for some undefined reason that, you know, most of the party the giggles at. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, or I was going to use Beastmaster, might be showing my age a little bit, but, you know, Rescue Rangers works. Yeah, it's, it, and, okay. I'm a little underwhelmed with the whole, you know, Beastmaster archetype in 5th edition. It just, it didn't do a lot for me. Now, mm-hmm. I I came, I, I tried uh, 13th Age before 5th edition, and 
I, I they both got it kind of right and kind of wrong all at the same time, but it's just the whole you know Rangers companion thing didn't really do anything for me. I think what's weird about the Animal Companion, no matter what edition you're looking at, is the fact that it's basically a pet. You don't really have a magical connection to it. You're just really good at training animals. It's a very real-world simulation. So just like I could, in the real world, train my dog to go fetch or roll over or attack or know certain commands, that's what the ranger is doing. In most editions, in most games, there are, of course, different variations and different ways to play it, but very typically, it's just a utility. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I think of a ranger's pet, I mean, I go, you know, okay, Icewind Dale, that's the cl- uh, the classic literary one at this point, you know, uh, but... You know, I played World of Warcraft for a very long time. I played Hunter for a very long time. And having that animal companion, you know, okay, yeah, it was a tank or a DPS or whatever. But I that was kind of more what I wanted out of an animal companion. And this is more of a – it's more of a, a pet. You put, you know, it's like having – okay, sorry. It's like having a Pokemon running around following you. You can train it to do certain things, but it's really not all that helpful. Maybe if you walk far enough, it'll poop candy on you. I want a Pokemon. I I would rather have a Pokemon running around with me. I I don't care about the exploration, (laughs) the two-weapon fighting. Uh, You you can't level up your Pokemon unless you explore. Remember, it's every three miles you walk is how much candy you get. While we're on the the topic of of the the animal companions, you know, and, and especially talking about them as as like a pet, this this sort of disembodied weird relationship thing, uh, maybe a good time to to segue into the the unearthed kind of revised ranger that just came out a few days ago here. Uh, <gasps> That's a great topic. Yes, because uh, one one of the things they specifically called out in here, right, was was that uh, now, uh, unlike familiars, right. Uh, and unlike any other beast or animal companion, the the ranger companion stuff in the Sun Arthur kind of book, they have a trait, bond, and flaw. Like they actually have personality characteristics. They're not just the pokeball and then they vanish, right? They're not just the horse for the mounted combat specialist. They're like a character, right? And they have foibles and they have personality. And, and I think that's a really fun addition. I, I like that too. And it actually, they actually gain like skill proficiencies, like you said, but they can actually level up with you. So uh, one of the examples are uh, like at fourth level, when you gain an ability score improvement, your companion's abilities also go up. So that's that's huge. So that means, you know, that bear that's been following you around for three levels is important to you. Yeah, you, you don't just throw it out for the next, for the first saber-toothed tiger you meet, right? You're, yeah. you're not tossing your, your lovely pet aside for, for the upgrade of like, oh, I found a plus three sword. Hell with my family heirloom that's been with us for generations, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that, that's a really good point. I think the only thing I would like to see, and, and maybe this is just my the mini game in me, mini gamer in me, is like if you start with this pet at this level and he levels with you, and you know, according to this, you know, if it dies, you have a magical bond, you can resurrect it. Okay, I think it's like eight hours or something later, you can call it back from the dead. But for example, if you wanted to get rid of it and start over with a new animal, I think you should have to start over at first level and find a way to level it up to you. So Uh, no, so there's there's investment there. uh, You know? Oh well, come on. 
You have to love that little raccoon that follows you around. <laughs> if we're really yeah. talking about mini games and stuff, let's just Pokemon the hell out of this. I want my animal companion to really <laughs> evolve. I want it to change. I want it to get some crazy magical abilities. I want it to do something totally different. You want your dog to turn into a saber-toothed tiger? Yes. Rather than having to find one? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Well, actually, in the revised Ranger, it actually does. So at fifth level, when you attack, if it can see you, it can use its reaction to make an extra melee attack. Um it gets your save it gets advantage on saving throws if it's near you at a certain point and like at 11th level it can actually use this i love it it's called storm of claws and fangs your companion can use its action to make a melee attack against each creature of its choice within 5 feet of it so you could trade it you can train it to go you know tasmanian devil on anybody <laughs> in a group interesting stuff so we've been talking about the newly released version of the ranger in unearthed arcana officially from watsi let's back up a little bit though uh i want to talk a little bit about how the ranger has changed over the years but it's going to be quick because it really hasn't until we get to fifth edition. i blinked did i miss it Ah, uh, that's that's not true it, I mean, second edition Rangers were ridiculous, stupidly broken. Really? See, I don't remember second edition Rangers. I was going to start with three five, where it's been very similar. Uh, I, I I only I I uh, you know I started just just about the the three zero transition, right? And so uh, I played just a few games uh, before in in two, and then had friends talk endlessly about how stupidly broken the uh, <laughs> the two Ranger was. They're 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 ridiculous. Do you remember if, if you anything of them. what made them crazy? Uh, uh, mostly, I mean, I guess the, you're you're right in the sense that it hasn't changed and the core concepts are all there, but they were uh, stupidly well-powered. Okay. Well, see, I, I, I'd hate not remembering the facts from that era, but we don't do any, uh, we don't do any pre-work here on detention, so... <laughs> Hey, if you out there in Radio Land remember, know, or have access to Googling second edition Rangers, go ahead and write in. Leave a comment on this episode in the show notes and, and give us a talking to. Yeah, and if and if you don't agree with me that they were way overpowered in second edition, uh, please write to Michael at therpgacademy.com. <laughs> and you may use a lot of profanity when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, in the 3.5, 3.0 Pathfinder era, whatever the case may be, that was really the solidification of the ranger being this guy who explores and survives in nature, uh, had access to some divine spells, but divine spells that were all focused about navigation and hunting. Hunting was the big thing. And they had an animal companion that you could train to do simple tasks and attacks. And then you picked to be really good at firing a bow and arrow or you picked to be really good at fighting with two swords. Uh, the kicker in the 3-5 era was that all you did was get the feats that let you be better with those weapons, but anyone could take those feats. You just got them as bonus feats. So you didn't have any skills that other people couldn't get when it came to combat. The big thing was favored enemy. And favorite enemy reflected the hunting ability it reflected i target this one thing and i'm really good at finding it and killing it 
And you typically got numerical bonuses on attacks, damages, certain skill checks, that kind of thing. Depending on what feats you took, if you took any prestige classes, sometimes you could magically hone in on the favorite enemy or find them in different ways. Uh, I specifically remember rolling up some evil characters who took the fa- uh, who took favorite enemy human. Uh, yeah. Oh, favorite enemy human was the best favorite enemy there was. You, you didn't even have to be evil. You, you could just be like a bounty hunter, right? Yeah, yeah. Man, roll out of your giant black truck and kidnap people in the dark. Arrows of human. Remember, uh, it was, it was, it remember was the like, magic items? Arrows of human slaying or whatever slaying? Yeah. Just get yep, those. Yes. Yep. Uh, we, we transition into fourth edition. I'll be honest, guys. I don't remember a lot about the fourth edition ranger. I know it was very similar in the fact that it was good at hunting and exploration, but obviously that exploration pillar was not really well represented in 4th edition since it was a a tactical combat simulator. So I I think the ranger was more focused on uh, targeting enemies as a striker and using... Uh, primal energies to trap them, isolate them, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it was thing. basically uh, da- DPS and crowd control. My WoW roots are showing again, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I do definitely remember uh, some fancy powers about using a bow or two weapons. So that flavor was still there. Uh, and I think some later splat books in 4th edition pulled out the animal companion as another source of power to have another thing running around on the battle mat with you. And so we've, we've covered the, the fourth edition Ranger, of course, and anyone who's ever played a fifth edition Ranger knows that, that the mechanics of that really support its core concept of being continually outshadowed by the barbarian and the fighter in all situations. Until now. Uh, yes. the, the Ranger as written in the player's handbook was very underwhelming it's incredibly okay super mediocre it's incredibly generic yep yeah it's 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 less naturey than the barbarian which was sad it's uh less fightery than the fighter which was sad it's a lot less spelly than uh most of the half or third caster classes which was sad uh the only thing that was really great about it was that they had a couple of good spells that if you could put into a, a bard using their bardic spell knowledge, then you'd have an amazing ranger. Bard made a great ranger. (laughs) Uh, The ranger as written in the PHB, I think was trying to skew towards the whole natural exploration Mm -hmm, tenets. mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that third pillar. But like you said, Scott, there wasn't really support for that. It just fell very flat. Well, and, and, um, you know, I've, I've, I've played in a game recently where we've had a lot of survival needs, right? We we started as slaves, and and you're lost and and starving. So, uh, but but what this does is is because only one player has that investment, only one player gets to shine. As as part of someone running the game, like I can't I can't make this a big part of our adventure if one player is going to rock all these roles and gets to look awesome, and no one else can participate in any meaningful way, right? Mechanically, they're all equivalent, and they're all just trying to come up with good ideas of how to not get sunburned to death well and you actually have to have a lot of buy-in from the person playing the ranger too i'm currently running ravenloft and they went up to this this one location that was high in this high mountain and it's colder than hell and did the ranger the only thing the ranger's done so far is like 
Okay, my favorite enemies undead. Are there any undead within five miles? Yes. There's all of them. And, you know, it's like, okay, it's cold. <laughs> Everybody's walked. freezing their ass off. What do you do? We keep, keep, keep going. It's like, okay, at least the warlock, like, figured out a way to, like, get a spell on his cloak to keep him warm. What? Why aren't you, like, you know, foraging for, you know, rabbit bunny fur to cover everybody in or something? I, I rarely see, like, nature survival things as being really engaging to yeah. players. And and so it's... it's it's you know if if you were playing a focused campaign if that was the idea ranger could be really amazing but I I think it has a hard time getting much value out of those abilities as written yeah. in the book. Well, a lot of times, what the ranger is good at is the stuff that you skip in a campaign. Uh-huh. Getting from point A to point B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've talked about this on the Academy a long time ago, but how many times do you just say, all right, you guys need to travel on the merchant to get to the next city. Do you guys do anything important while you're traveling? No. All right. Let's cut to being at the city. The the ranger is the one that gets, you know, 70% of the coverage in like the Hobbit, the original Lord of the Rings. And in the movie, that's just turned into one montage. Because it's not interesting, right? We're sick of hearing all the details about the leaves on the trees. We don't <laughs> care about those dwarf songs anymore. We just want them to kill people. Then we get to the killing. Right? I, I'm thinking back all the way back to like first edition ranger, first edition rangerhood, rangerhood. That's a new word. Somebody should copyright that real quick. Heard it here first, guys. RPG Academy trademark rangerhood. Exactly. And there was a lot more. Everybody was really into the minutia of everything. It's like, oh my God, we have, you know, four, we have four copper pieces and a silver. Oh my God, is that an electrum piece? Oh my God, we're starving. Ranger, go find us food. We go from point A to point B. And, you know, the keeping, the ranger keeping you alive when you had to keep mm-hmm. track of your trail rations and you did back yeah, then when, when you have like food spoilage yeah, tables y- it right? mattered mm-hmm. back then. when you're you're basically running a, a like a logistics simulation <laughs> like yeah Yay! let's not get into a moral project we get to make five trips from the dungeon isn't this great yeah no but no. we like, grow out of that i mean right now it's it's like you said we want to go from point a to point b okay let me roll five times on the random encounter table to see if anything happens at night when you're camping okay you're fine you're there you know, it's, it's it's just an extreme aside. I wonder if this relates to our, our ages at the time. I mean, uh, most of us who played first edition were much younger when we did, right? Or mm-hmm. second. And at that point, pretending to be adults seemed so novel, right? Like doing mundane chores. I'm going to balance my checkbook. to survive. Exactly, <laughs> right? And that's basically the simulator they uh-huh. have, right? Like adding up dollars and cents, making sure your carry weight's okay. Like, like you're you're pretending to be an adult. And now as an adult, all I want to do is pretend to be a kid. Yeah. Like just just run out of my my the city I grew up in my whole life. No ID, no credit cards. <laughs> no one knows where I'm going. I've I'm got in a the sharp woods, stick. Right? I'm just like lost and yeah. gone. Yeah, exactly. Things. I'm just in trouble. Free for summer for the rest of time. Like, like uh, I, I think uh, Murder Hobo is really just the, a childhood simulator of, of us being able to be cruel and petty with no punishments, right? And no responsibilities. That's that childhood. explains two of the players at my one of my games. Huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I think that also might explain uh, the revision of the Ranger. Uh, the Ranger has really gone back to its roots here. I think, uh, just reading through the document as we've been talking here, it feels like this ranger went from zero to 60 in yeah. three pages. Yeah. Yeah, definitely zero to hero. There's You, you get uh, 
plus two bonus to damage to your favorite enemy, which is great off the top. And favorite you, enemy uh, didn't give you a damage bonus in rules as written in the handbook, which was shocking well, to me. No, it was it, it was favorite enemy was all third yeah. color, right? Yeah. They, yeah. They, they no longer really have a favorite terrain thing, but now you get crazy hide bonuses. You're going to kick the living trash out of the rogue at hiding. Uh, yeah. Plus an interesting uh, mechanical edge case where, where uh, hide in plain sight, it doesn't give you a plus 10 bonus on hide. It gives a person who attempts to detect you a minus 10 penalty to wisdom checks until their next turn, <laughs> which means you make the rogue doubly good at hiding for some reason. Like if they actively look for you, then the rest of your party is safer. It's very confusing, yeah. but kind of awesome. One thing that yeah. the ra- this new ranger has done, I think, is it's actually made the rogue a little more sucky. It's true. They've, they've, they've taken uh, at least uh, chunks of, like, hide, right? I mean, they don't get sneak attack damage for, for hiding, but they definitely get a lot of hide, which is fun. And, and uh, you know, everybody now gets dashed the bonus action. You should be embarrassed if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really like how this ranger is working right now because it's appealing to my 3.5 edition loving self that likes seeing a lot of damage stacking up a lot of yeah. cool abilities stacking up. This new Ranger revision feels more powerful than a lot of other classes. Yep. You're such a bonus stacker. I, I love that, Caleb. Every time you're like, oh, plus two and a plus two and a plus two and a plus one. It this makes is the best me thing happy, in my life. Scott. It makes me happy. I can't fight it. And, and I'm glad you find a class you'd like because uh, I, I'm realizing again for the very first time, like you re- really learn these things every time you have a player who's so new to D&D, that even one plus is like impossible. If they have to roll a d20 and add one like plus five, it's madness, right? If, if you're not automatically used to it. And so I'm glad <laughs> that, that fifth edition has this level where you get all these pluses and that math is going to be fun. And it also has like the basic fighter where all we have to do is be like roll the same die, add the same number to it for all things. <laughs> so that's good the the abilities are just ramped up across the board you, you've got the damage adding in uh you still have some of the fighter style choices with the two weapon or the archery whatever you still get the spells whatever uh but the abilities even beyond what you choose for now what they call conclaves are just ridiculous the the primal awareness is just bonkers. Communicating with animals, attuning your senses to find favorite enemies, that feels like really old school 3.5 ranger to me. The uh, the natural explorer is just insane. Ignore difficult terrain, advantage on initiative, and advantage during the first round of combat against enemies that have not yet acted. That's And you get that level one. Yeah. You're you're better than the rogue at that point at level one, right? <laughs> Ranger is dippable at level one, where you get favorite enemy and natural explorer. Yeah, that's bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then the conclave abilities. Uh, there's beast conclave. We've already kind of touched on that. You get the animal companion. It levels up with you. Attacks with you. It grows with you, basically. Exactly, and that was something that did not exist. In the rules as written in the handbook, uh, there was an unearthed arcana adding in an animal companion, but it was very poorly received because it didn't really do what it wanted to do, which is what we are seeing here. Because the warlock's familiar was still fundamentally better. Exactly. Uh, Adding in the traits and flaws 
that's oh, on, that's cool. adorable it uh, is it adds no benefit at all to playing the game it just makes it more fun to role play yeah. right well, yeah it's 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 not a mechanical benefit but that's that's the thing it reminds us right that that it's a character right yeah it's, it's not just it's not just a pokeball it doesn't just <laughs> vanish right it's it's not like in assassin's creed your horse is really the best assassin because it's secretly following you all the time and sneaking so invisibly you can never see it until you whistle yeah right? <laughs> like uh it's 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 this animal that that has you know terrible habits right it farts in its sleep right <laughs> it sits on the edge of your bed and it farts all night in your sleep and and uh that's that's personality i like some that. of the flaws are amazing any time is a good time for a belly rub yeah put that on your boar right <laughs> no 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 what if you put if because it actually mentions you can take a mule as your animal companion now <laughs> now now picture donkey from shrek it's like i want a belly rub <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, my favorite flaw, though, is uh, I jump on creatures to tell them how much I love them, <laughs> which I think I think is is D and D embracing some good old fashioned humping. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like I'm deathly afraid of water, just because I feel like that one water elemental encounter. <laughs> oh God, is going to be amazing. Love it, love it. Uh, there's the hunter conclave, which. In my quick scan of this document here is exactly the same as the hunter archetype. I don't see anything different there. Yeah, it looks pretty much the same. No, but yeah, but but it's all good. It, yeah, those those were not bad. There's nothing wrong with those, uh, especially stacked with all the other core abilities that the rangers now getting. Mm -hmm. uh, the deep stalker conclave might be my favorite. Interesting. Uh, starting at level three, during the first round of combat, plus 10 to your speed. If you attack, you can use an additional attack. And you negate the dark vision of creatures that you are fighting. Yeah, the, the, the I'm playing an Underdark campaign right now, and I read this whole block, and I was like, oh my god, we would be obliterating everything. This right? would be so abusable oh my in the god. Underdark. You you get dark vision, and it's an insane amount of dark vision. Ninety feet, or or it improves. Yeah, uh, ninety feet is ridiculous. I think racially, you only get what thirty or sixty. Sixty, unless yeah. you're like like Drow get with what ninety or one twenty. So but, you're uh, you're boosting that out. You get some yeah. extra spells. You know, I I've never cared about the ranger having spells. I, even in older editions, it never appealed well, to me. It's 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 no paladin. You can't just burn them yeah. to dab d8s of holy damage. That's amazing, right? Uh, <laughs> and then you get but rope trick's hilarious. Rope, rope trick is pretty good. Um, you you get a whole bunch of stuff about extra attack. You get uh, this these stalker abilities that are basically if you miss attacks, you can make another ones. And you can yeah. give disadvantage and, and, to things and attacking you. All the additional attacks that it gets, or right. many of them, are not bonus actions. They're not reactions. They're just you get another attack. Yeah. Like, what? Have we thrown out the action economy already? We're just like, eh, we're going to add more actions. It's just it's I, fascinating. In my perception of 5th of edition, it was always supposed to be an introduction to more options. Like hmm. back, back in the next era when it was beta testing, what it was pitched to me as we're going to give you these core rules and then we're going to have all these modules and you can uh, 
copy paste them as you want to. So if you want the uh, more tactical combat, you pick up that splat book. If you want the more nature heavy game, you pick up that splat book. But, but but then they've been so successful with those core rules, they've been terrified to add any additional splat books, right? Right. And, you know, they've got a business strategy. They're running a business. I'm not going to fault them for running a business, but it's well, not exactly what I expected. But yeah. it's, it's, uh, maybe that's working. We're bringing a lot more people in the hobby. It's very true. It's very true. This new version of the Ranger kind of feels like the first new thing that should have happened a while ago. This is the, hey, you've been playing with the core rules. Now let's give you the amped up version of everything. Now now I want to see the other classes that are, hey, now we're going to be super awesome. Just like the oh. ranger is now super awesome. This ranger is turned to 11. I, I, I bet it's really just turned to like 10 and a half. I mean, it was down at a six or a four before, right? It was I, really. It might have been I, lower I, than that. It might have been two or three. And 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 they're they're still playtesting this, right? I'm sure it's it's not legal to play in in competitive, uh, right? So no, so isn't it? It's not. I don't think. An unearthed Arcana is still considered. Optional. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so I'm sure. Yeah, they're, they're actually they're, say they actually say in the intro that uh, our plan is to present as a revised ranger, and then it will be legal for adventure league play. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, hmm. all right. Oh no, so, it, yeah, it actually says that so. Actually, erase uh, Caleb back up a little bit. Sorry, <laughs> editing Caleb. It actually says at the beginning that uh, players can select the original Ranger or the revised version, though DMs will always be free to use one or the other, but both will be legal for Adventure League play. That's crazy. Well, there you go. So uh, we've been talking about the D&D &D Ranger for the majority of this here. Uh, I don't want to go too much longer tonight, but let's real quick do what we always do with these classes. Where can we find the ranger in other games? Honestly, I think uh, there was a whole system for Judge Dredd, wasn't there? I mean, in the very least, the Judge Dredd universe. All of Judge Dredd judges are rangers. They're, there you they're go. solitary warriors who hunt down their men and bring them back for justice, right? They have some magical abilities, but the basic thing is they can make a lot of ranged attacks. Yeah, yeah. Any kind of game that is focused on being a bounty hunter... I think echoes the theme of a ranger. Oh, sure. Just steal my answer. <laughs> you know, uh, Star Wars, well, bounty hunter, booyah. Star Wars. Oh, man. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I, I never thought about the Star Wars universe because the bounty oh, hunters are so eclectic, but you're absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the Boba Fett, you know, all the other all the other people who hunt people, you know, his, it's, his backpacks it's everywhere. Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you brought up WoW earlier, Kendall. Uh, yeah. The, the hunter in wow is very much that iconic targeting dps with an animal companion kind of character mm -hmm. and i think they could do traps and stuff in wow right it's been so long since oh yes tried. oh yes <laughs> so uh, kind of being part of the natural world some of the control aspects we saw from fourth edition that that's in there yep um i i would say any kind of game that does bring up survival is going to echo some ranger abilities. Uh, but again, the whole surviving in the wilderness is something that it's either all or nothing. It, mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. In a typical game, we skip over those parts because they're boring. 
unless the game is 100% focused from the start, do you survive? Yeah, that that's a core thing of the theme or setting. Yeah. Or yeah, unless well, or if it's a it's it's an, a mechanic in the encounter, right? When when you're journeying through the Mornlands, right? Survival is is not guaranteed. You don't you don't just uh, save over three days of that because uh, you'll have two players dead. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think if we want to move towards a conclusion here, the Ranger is. Y- a very interesting class conceptually. They're the type of class that is really important in the simulation aspect of the world because we're good. you have to survive, right? And they're mm-hmm. great at surviving. They're great at exploring. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, the, the concept has been so consistent through so many editions, right? It represents this one very core, like, cultural ideal that we have about this character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I mean, you've got you've got the fighter. The fighter doesn't really change. The fighter's great at hitting things. You've got the rogue. The rogue is great at being a skill monkey and sneaking around. Wizards always are great at spells. Clerics always do what they do. Everything else changes a lot except the ranger. The ranger is really one of those core classes that does not change conceptually. No, I and agree. I like that. I, I, I like that... It, I like that it exists. I don't always play it because I don't like the mechanics as much, but I like that it's there. I, I love playing urban rangers. For some reason, that's always a thing I have enjoyed. Anyway. Well, th- yeah. isn't that just a cop, though? <laughs> Basically? Hey, no knocking my City Watch campaign. <laughs> What's all this, then? That being said, uh, a lot of times rangers with swapped-out features to make them more useful in different environments gets really fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pathfinder was really good at that. Pathfinder let you swap out abilities ad nauseum, and and you could make a ranger that was a beat cop but was awesome at talking to people and finding people in their three-block radius of their beat. (laughs) (laughs) Favorite terrain? This block. Exactly. That's a thing. That's not an exaggeration. Yep. So, uh, so anything else to say about the ranger here, guys? Have have we hit all the nails? Have we put it to bed? I think so. I, I think there's a lot to be said for the ranger. I think it's a fun class to play. I think it offers a lot of strengths in a lot of different situations. You 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 won't you know unlike the fighter, you won't just be waiting for the fight. Unlike the the caster, you won't just be waiting for uh, interesting puzzles, right? Unlike the rogue, you won't just be waiting to hide. You you can participate in all these things. I think it's it's a strong class, and and uh, I love these unearthed arcana rules. I'd love to hear any feedback uh, listeners have about using them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would definitely like to give this new ranger a try. Uh, I would like to roll one up and jump into things, preferably not at first level, uh, but that's just me. Uh, so Kendall, thank you very much for, uh, joining us here at detention tonight. Anything else from you before we go? Uh, no, but can I get my parking validated? Uh, we don't validate it here at the Academy. I'm sorry. God, people. So for everyone here at the RPG Academy and the RPG Academy network, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.